Christian Questions. Mahatma Gandhi once said, Prayer is not asking. It is a longing of the soul. It is a daily admission of one's weakness. It is better in prayer to have a heart without words than words without a heart. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.com. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And folks, we are glad that you have chosen to spend some time with us on this uh, fine Sunday morning. Jonathan, what is our topic for today? Well, Rick, our question is, does prayer really change life's outcome? And our theme text comes from James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And Jonathan, prayer is an almost universal phenomenon. People pray to all kinds of gods, and we pray about all kinds of things. We use all kinds of tools to help us pray. We use prayer shawls, prayer wheels, prayer rugs, prayer books, prayer beads, to name just a few. People pray to worship, to ask for help, to ask for guidance, peace, patience, strength, courage, and tolerance. People pray to complain, invent. People pray to seek revenge, judgment, and self-worth. People pray to dictate, command, and sometimes we pray to get rich. So uh, People pray for whatever people want, for whatever they like, and for whatever they wish. People pray. The question is, does it do any good? So, Jonathan, we're going to be taking a look at prayer and its function, um, and in some cases, its seeming lack of function in our lives today. We're talking about prayer. Well, Rick, how do we know if prayer really does change the outcomes of our lives? And that's a, that's a real question, and that's a very subjective answer. We're gonna, it really is. We're going to find that throughout the, um, the, the broadcast today, that that's a very subjective answer. Um, and, and we're going to be touching on uh, studies and so forth about prayer. And again, it's a very subjective answer. It's very hard to quantify prayer in terms of science. Okay. okay? Oh, of course. So, that makes sense. And, and actually, in order, to, let's get started with that. Let's go right now. Let's just go to a, a quick um, soundbite from a BBC documentary. And this was a documentary, and, and the title was "Does Prayer Work?" And again, this is just sort of an introduction into the idea. Prayer, I don't know if you have noticed or not, but it's really coming back. More and more people are asking other people to pray for them. They're starting to see a difference, but they're also starting to feel a difference. Science is trying to prove on their own terms something that everybody's known since people came out of the caves. Yeah, prayer works. Normally I get an answer on my prayers. If you're faithful and you believe that God will do it, he will do it. And so you're just a couple of pieces of input. We're going to be coming back to that BBC documentary throughout the program. A couple of pieces of general input giving a sense of, now these are people that are obviously pro-prayer. Yes. Now, oftentimes with the scientific approach, it's anti-prayer. 
Typically. And, and, and so, Not always. But what we want to do is just examine prayer from a scriptural perspective and see what it's meant to do. But it's interesting how the comment was, science tries to prove it on their own terms. Yeah, right. <laughs> that was interesting. Well, and, and, and that's the quantifying in a scientific sense. It's very, very difficult, but we'll, we'll unfold that. So, Jonathan, let's go just quickly just get started with a summary of prayer based on biblical words. There's lots of different words, especially in the Old Testament, that relate to prayer. And they mean many, many different things. So instead of going through all the words individual, we're just going to rattle off what these, what these things mean. Reflection. Devotion. Uh, contemplation, by implication and utterance. Can mean to intercede. To seek or ask. By implication, a hymn, as in singing. Entreaty. To bend or stoop in kindness to an inferior. An oratory. Or a petition. And there's a wide variety of meaning there. Mm-hmm, there is. From, from bending or stooping in kindness to a hymn. I mean, all of those things are translated prayer and have to do with prayer. So, what does this tell us? I think, I think it tells us that we as frail human beings do a lot of things to try and focus our minds on spiritual things. Sure. And it, folks... You, you might not like it, you might not even approve of it or, or, or think it's real, but there has been a lot of science that has indicated there is something in the brain called the God spot. And it's a, it's a, it's a place in the brain that when people are engaged in spiritual type activities, it, essentially it lights up. And it's in everybody's brain. In some people's brains, it's much more developed than in others. Just like with music, you know, that area of your brain sometimes is, you know, like for some of us, it's like, yeah, you tell me it's in there, but I don't have any proof. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, there, there's this, this part of the brain that seems to indicate that our brain is wired for spiritual devotion. And that I, is so interesting. And, and, I, and I think that, that that's, a, that's a phenomenal thing to think about. And for those of you who don't believe in that, you're going to say, oh, you know, hogwash. Well, okay, that's fine. You, you can think that. 866-985-4255. That's our number. Toll free. 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. It means we're on right now. And we're talking about the topic of prayer. Does it work? How does it work? When does it work? When should we use it? When shouldn't we use it? So many questions. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page and our blog. Go to ChristianQuestions.com. Let's take a, a look at a scripture that gives us a good example of that sense of wanting to pray. Acts sixteen thirteen. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the woman which resorted thither. So here it's talking, the, it's, it's talking about disciples of Christ, and uh, they're, they're in a place where there are no necessarily no uh, facilities of a synagogue. and No buildings to pray in. Right, and no scriptures to read, most likely. Yeah, you're probably right. And so, but so they went to a place, and it's interesting the way the scripture describes it, where prayer was wont to be made. In other words, they went to a place where it was conducive for the exercise of praying. I wonder if the nature, the scene was inspirational, looking at God's handiwork. Oh, and, and I'm sure that's, that's a part of it. I'm sure it was peaceful, and, you know, it, it says by, by a riverside, and so if you've got the river, you've got the sound of the water, mm. and, and, and it's away from everything. And, and, folks, look, we all know that when we get away from everything, and for most of us, when we take a walk in nature and you're away from all the other stuff, there's a different sense that comes over your whole being. Absolutely. And that 
is described scripturally as a place where prayer was was it was conducive uh, to to be to be offered. So this this brings us. There are several prayer development lessons we want to get into uh, this morning. And Jonathan, this brings us to our first prayer development lesson. It's real simple. It's straightforward. Prayer can be an event or a consciousness. Now that, that sounds strange. As an event, it's appropriate to develop to develop a context in which prayer can be more focused more deep, thoughtful, and sincere. Go to a place, uh, be it a physical place or a condition of mind and heart where prayer is want to be made. So prayer can be an event. You say, okay, I'm going to pray now. And you set yourself up, if you will, so that your prayers can be uh, offered in such a way as to uh, be be focused and clear in your own mind. So, and and I don't know how, how, how you do that for me, Sometimes uh, it, it's the kind of music I listen to. If if I if I want to get into a, a a place in my brain where I can pray more freely, I put on a certain kind of music, and it just takes all of the the, the junk out of my head and sort of brings me down to a level where I can now focus on something more clear. Do you have a place to pray, or is it is it a state of mind? Or well, often in the morning, it's the couch, looking out the window. And seeing the stars at, at, when it's dark out. So it's nature. It is. It is nature. Uh, seeing the moon and this, the Orion's belt, I can see this morning I saw. Uh, it was gorgeous. And it just, the awe of God's creation just puts me in the right frame of mind. So you went to a place where prayer was wont to be made. Yes. And and it helps to, to, to get that flow going. So, so, you know, the first development lesson is, yes, it can be an event, but it can also be a consciousness. Because one of the scriptures says, pray without ceasing. That's and, right. And yeah. so, you know, it can't just be, it can't be an event, because if it's pray without ceasing, that event can't happen all day. You have to work. You get nothing done. <laughs> right. <laughs> so it can also be a sense of your mind and that continual sort of conversation, if you will. So there's a lot to prayer. And, and folks, we're, we'd love to hear your thoughts on prayer and how it works and perhaps how it's worked in your life. Our, again, our number is 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Rick, you mentioned the mind, but the mind touching the heart that really puts you in center uh, to to bring praise, honor, and glory to our Heavenly Father. And I think that's the combination that, as we go through this discussion this morning, this conversation, that uh, is going to, to, to come leaping off of the paper, is that prayer uh, comes from our mind in conjunction with our heart, and that's the most effective kind. All heart with no mind is not a complete prayer. All mind with no heart is not a complete, complete prayer. All words and no thought is a... Is a bad prayer. <laughs> it just, it's because it's, and we're going to see prayer is supposed to be transformative in our lives. So our first prayer development lesson is it can be an event or a consciousness. So now let's get on to the next lesson. We'll just get that started here. The context of the theme scripture. Our theme scripture was James five sixteen. You read that earlier, and at the beginning in verse thirteen, James five thirteen, it says, "Is any among you suffering?" Then he must pray. And when you hear that, it says suffering. So, oh, you must be going through bad, bad troubles and, and, you know, really hurting. Yeah, yeah, physically, it sounds like. But, but what does the word for suffering actually mean? It means to undergo hardship. All right. So now that's an important point. How is that word used in the scriptures? Because I think the idea of suffering 
it takes on a different meaning than we might we might uh, just assume. Second Timothy two three and then Second Timothy four five are two other places where this word for suffering is used, but it's not translated suffering. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So endure hardness as a good soldier. Now think about it. The the context of of being a soldier. You don't think of somebody who's suffering. No you? no, you don't. No, you think it's somebody who's strong, who's disciplined, right. who's ready for battle. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, so endure hardness, because that's what you're trained for. In other words, you're, you're trained to stand up and fight, and you need to endure the hardness that you're trained to endure. So stand up and, and, and be strong. Second Timothy 4.5 is another scripture where that word for suffering is used, but again, it's translated something a little different. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. So, Jonathan, by these other uses of that particular word, suffering has to do with trials of faith, not illness, but challenge. Like tested as a soldier. Undergoing hardship. In other words, when something or somebody is in a position where they have been uh, uh, trained and ready, now you have to test it. You know, on, an, on a manufacturing line. If you have, if you're doing your due diligence, you manufacture your product, then you put it through quality control. That's right. You you test it to see if it does what it's supposed to. That's what I think this undergoing hardship is. It's not like you've fallen ill. It's not like you're being overwhelmed. It's that now you're being tested for the things that you're supposed to be standing up and doing. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, does prayer really change life's outcomes? Coming up. Should cheerfulness and praise be a part of prayer? If so, how much and how often? What if life is hard? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, does prayer really change life's outcomes? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, as we discussed prayer, we were talking during the break, and uh, it's it's an enormous subject. We're not going to be able to cover all aspects of prayer today, but we want to take a, a look at prayer through the eyes of James teaching us about prayer. That's that's where we're focusing. We're going to be building off of James chapter 5 because he explains how prayer works in a very unique fashion. And the first thing he explained about it is that um, he said, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. But it really means if any of, among you undergoing hardship. Essentially, is being tested because there's something there to test. Prayer is strength to the strong. That's really what that comes down to. And we're going to develop that in a moment. We're going to give an example of somebody who fits into that category very, very well. But I want to go to another soundbite first. Uh, This is not from the BBC uh, uh, documentary. Uh, This is just from, um, this was a, a, a discussion, I think it was at a university, if I remember right. And they were talking about prayer in, in not a very nice way, and talking about the idea of faith. And, and essentially mocking it. And, and here, uh, Sam Harris is doing this, this, having this discussion on prayer studies and basically how much of a joke they are. So this is not a, a positive view of Christians and prayer. Let's listen. 
you can you could say no scientific study has ruled out the existence of Poseidon. Um, and yet this this analogy, which I'm now drawing between Poseidon and the pers- personal Christian God or the Jewish God or the Muslim God, uh, really strikes uh, the- theists, Christians, Jews, and Muslims, as a total non sequitur. Um, what you have on your side are sheer numbers of subscribers, uh, 2 billion Christians, 1.3 billion Muslims. Um, it's... Uh, that personal God is compatible with, with, with an endless amount of progress in science, and yet the mood you feel the, about uh, Poseidon, the, 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 the reflexive rejection of Poseidon, is the mood that uh, could extend to, to the, the God of Abraham, and, I th- and should extend. So basically what he's saying, Jonathan, is he's being very philosophical uh, about the, the idea that, well, you know, these people that believe in God uh, could very well believe in Poseidon. And we all know that Poseidon is a mythological, uh, fictitious cr- a creature who was called a god. He was one of 12 gods and blah, 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 blah in Greek mythology. So he's saying that th- it's the same thing to believe, and, and I already feel my blood pressure going up as I'm... <laughs> As, I, as I'm dis- describing it, he's saying it's the same thing to believe in Poseidon as it is to believe in the God of Abraham. And my answer to him is, what are you, nuts? <laughs> no, it's not. It's not even remotely close. See, the, 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 the problem that I have with people that make such dramatic comparisons and then laugh as they walk away is they're missing the point that the God of Abraham is the God that was recognized for generations and generations and generations and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. There's a book that has been written over a period of 1,500 to 2,000 years called the Bible that focuses on that God and that has prophecies that that God put there that have actually come true. Poseidon has no such thing. It's not even remotely close. So to have faith in the God of Abraham is a much stronger source than to have faith in many of the scientific uh, um, approaches to life, especially the ones where they try to disprove God. You know, <laughs> because, you know, and they say, well, the burden of proof is on you. You have to prove God exists. And my, my, my answer to that is, okay, you look at the intricacy of all of nature. Look around. And you tell me that's all by chance. And you do the math. You do the math, and you tell me how long it would take. Mathem- and talk to a mathematician about this. And because a mathematician will tell you it's impossible to have the things that have happened happened in science just by chance. It's mathematically not a feasibility. So there. <laughs> so, no, God and Poseidon, two very, very different things. Let's, let, let, let's focus. Jonathan, let's get back to prayer is strength to the strong. And folks, again, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Christian Questions, a weekly habit that's good for you. Thanks for tuning us in every Sunday morning, live from 7 to 9. Join our conversation any day and time at ChristianQuestions.com. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. This is a prayer of someone who is strong. This is the Apostle Paul talking about prayer. Because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, for this reason, to keep me from exalting myself, there was given me a thorn in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from exalting myself. 
concerning this, I implored the Lord three times that it might leave me. So now Paul is a Christian soldier. He is strong. Oh, here. he is very strong. And he's saying, look, I'm, I'm, I'm on a roll for God. I'm moving forward, but this messenger of Satan has been put in my way, and I implored the Lord three times because I've got work to do. I'm doing the work, and I want to do it stronger and, and harder and ever. better. Right. Yeah. And yeah. So he says, so I prayed, and Jesus said, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so what's now now you've got this 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 Christian warrior if you will, the apostle Paul, what's his reaction to praying for something which when you and I look at it say, well, why wouldn't you take that away? He could even do more work, he could even be more effective, he can even be stronger. Why wouldn't you let him do that? Well, here's Jesus' answer. And he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness." So the answer is no. It's my grace that, that strengthens you. Because he has to rely more on Jesus. So, so was Paul crushed by that answer? No. No, no he, way. He actually was made stronger by being denied. Now think about that. Here's, here's what happens. Here, here's the next part of the verse. Most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses and insults and distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake. So his reaction, and, and he's recounting this to us through his letter to the Corinthians, through his second letter to the Corinthians. And he's saying, so I prayed about this thing three times. And you know, Jonathan, this must have happened over a period of time. Oh, absolutely. Because it wasn't like, dear Lord, please take this away. No. Dear Lord, please take this away. No. I'm going to ask you a third time, dear Lord, please take this away. Th that's not what it was. No. This, it, it, it was a struggle. Right. And prayer, remember, prayer is a transformative part of a Christian's life. So through that transformative action of prayer, when he says, I besought the Lord three times, he's not just saying, I had a, just a casual thought that I just sent up heavenward. He's saying, I prayed about Earnestly. it three separate times on three different occasions, and this was the answer. And he's saying, because I got that answer, I can therefore, now that I get it, I will rather boast about my weakness. I want to tell you all about how weak I am. And let's finish it up. For when I am weak... Physically, okay? He's not, because he's not spiritually weak here. Then I am strong. Spiritually. So prayer is strength to the strong. That's the first lesson James is teaching us here, is prayer serves as strength to those who are already strong. So when you're strong, what do you need to do? Do you need to go beat your chest and say, look how strong I am? You need to pray. Right, because God, God's grace through Jesus is sufficient to us, for us. So our second prayer development lesson here is in those times when we stand and fight the battle, prayer's function is to strengthen the strong with a strength that is not our own. And that's the whole key of prayer, is finding a strength that is not your own. It's to embrace this strength, which has to be accepted by faith, as it's not our own strength, as a signal to step out further in faith. So the Apostle Paul was basically saying, okay, dear Lord, listen to me. I'm working hard. We're accomplishing things by your grace for your glory. But if only this thorn in the flesh could be taken away, we could do even more. And Rick, I think that thorn in the flesh that we find in Galatians 4.15 talks about, uh, For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. 
I think it was his eyesight that was the challenge that he was dealing with. And, and, and I think you're right, because that would have affected a lot of things. It would have affected his ability to, to literally to see what he's doing, his ability to write. Exactly. And those were two. It was the, huge. Right. So, so he has this, 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 and folks, if you think it's something different, that's fine. The point is this. The point is he really believes that if, it's, if, if that is taken away from him, he could be better. And, and, and the answer is no. So what does he do? do? He gets better anyway. <laughs> he does. And he gets stronger spiritually. Right. By the grace of Jesus Christ working in his life. And that, so that's how prayer transforms. It took his thought away from saying, I can be stronger. Instead of, woe is me. Right. And, and he went from, I can be stronger to, wait, 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 no, 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 that's not it. You can be stronger in me. And that's the transformative aspect of prayer on the Apostle Paul. So prayer, in our second prayer development lesson, prayer is absolutely strength to the strong. Let's go back to um, a, a soundbite. This is from a CNN uh, um, report on the science of prayer. And it talks about prayer's effect on the brain. And I was, I was mentioning a little bit about this earlier. This is from uh, CNN. Generations of people believing in God generations of skeptics trying to figure out why. Now, hard science is taking a hard look, exploring the brain to see whether human beings are hardwired for faith. And astoundingly, the answer may be yes. The brain is set up in such a way that it's very easy for us to have religious and spiritual beliefs and experiences and make religion and spirituality a part of our lives. No matter what the religion, no matter what the form of worship, prayer makes certain regions of the brain light up in a special and unique way. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. Uh, you know, you, you see that and, and you hear that, and this is, this is not necessarily from a source that wants prayer to be uh, acknowledged as anything valuable. But there's but some proof here. There's physiological proof inside of our brains that something else happens in the brain when prayer is engaged as, as, as part of life. So again, it's a very fascinating look at a very important and deep subject. Jonathan, uh, what, um, you know, subjects like this, what we need to do is make sure that you get what we're talking about and uh, are able to refer to it later. How do you do that? CQ Rewind, the full edition. Go to our website, ChristianQuestions.com, and sign up, and it'll give you a partial transcript of the program, um, bonus material, graphics, illustrations. It's an amazing Bible study. So, and in the, in the, in the full edition of CQ Rewind, uh, it also lists out the, the sound bites we use. Yeah. It, it quotes them out entirely so you can see the entire context of what, what, what's Even being Even if we don't of. like them. That's right. <laughs> so put them in there. And it's, yeah, it's there for your use. And, and how much does it cost? It's a free service, Rick. Which means? No obligation. No obligation, no cost. All we ask you to do is sign up for it so we can send you the email with the link that you can open at your leisure. Seek your Rewind, the full edition, exclusively available at ChristianQuestions.com. So, Jonathan, we're looking at prayer... We, we've discovered so far prayer can be an event or a consciousness. Yes. And prayer in its use, the first use, according to the, the scriptures in James, is to have give strength to the strong. So when you're strong and standing up and fighting, you really need to pray then. Because the danger, frankly, is that 
our strength can start to become and look, look like our strength instead of God's strength through us. Ah, so we're relying on ourselves too much right. if we don't have that prayer. And that's part of the lesson of the Apostle Paul. So now let's go on to our next prayer development lesson. Let's move on in James chapter 5, again on verse 13. The last part of verse 13 is, is anyone cheerful? He is to sing praises. So it seems only fitting that cheerfulness comes after strength to the strong. Because if you're strong and working it and, and, and making progress... Generally, you're pretty happy, right? You should be. Because, hey, you know, life is going, this is great. Life is going along, and we all have those times in our lives where things are moving along just fine. Sure. And, and, and then that's where praise comes in because, wow, thank you, Lord, that it is working out. Because thank you, Lord, that you're helping me overcome, and that's where praise comes in. So let's look at Psalm 34, 1 to 9, because this is a great scripture on praise, and it talks to us about a great cycle of thinking. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear it and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. So this scripture starts out saying, I will bless the Lord at all times because you're, you're, you, you've got it. And now it's a, that part ends with, let us exalt his name together. That means prayer is contagious. Oh, I like that. Okay, well, it gets better. Keep going. I sought... The Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed. So now it's I sought the Lord, but the contagiousness says that that contagious attitude leads to not only personal transformation, but the transformation of those around us. And this is showing us the power of praise. Go ahead. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who revere him and rescues them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, revere the Lord, you his saints, for to those who reverence him, there is no want. See, what? so what this is saying, Jonathan, is all this leads to blessing and protection from God, which leads to praise, which leads to blessing and protection from God, which leads to praise which leads to blessing and protection. Do you get the point? I got it. I mean, you've heard, you've heard of a vicious circle? Yeah. Well, here we have a blessed circle. Oh, I like it. And so Psalm 34, verses 1 to 9, gives us a sense of this blessed circle of praise through prayer because we can be strong and prayer is strength to the strong and so we praise and it's contagious to those around us and on and on. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does Prayer Really Change Life's Outcomes? Coming up, is it appropriate to pray for healing if we are sick? What if it's spiritual sickness? What if it's physical sickness? Are both proper to pray for? That's next. Welcome back. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions with Jonathan and Rick. Our subject this morning, does prayer really change life's outcomes? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, as we go through the uh, James chapter 5 context, James is laying out for us how prayer works. And the, the idea is prayer, first of all, he says, uh, if you are uh, afflicted, prayer is appropriate. And afflicted means you're being tested. So prayer is strength to the strong. The second point is 
um, to sing praises. So, so prayer is it, so praise is an important link to being strong. Yeah, but what happens if life is hard? And well, and and let's look at another example of of a cheerful praise. And and that's what we want to focus on here: cheerful praise. Acts sixteen twenty two to twenty six. Then the crowd rose up together against them, and the chief magistrates tore their robes off them and proceeded to order them to be beaten with rods. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison and fastened their feet in stocks. Wait, 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 wait. Is, is this the right scripture? Well, it's the one that's written down here, Rick. Yeah, but there's nothing cheerful about this. <laughs> Come on. They, they're, 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 they're beaten with rods, they're thrown into prison, and their feet are fastened in stocks? I mean, what is there to have cheerful praise about in this scripture? Well, Rick, let's continue. All right. But about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. So, in the middle of this great physical trial of difficulty, where they don't know where they're going to, how they're going to get out. Right. I mean, they're not praying for release. The, it, the pain they must be in after the right, beating. Right. See, there's no indication they're praying for a miracle. The indication is they're singing praises to God and praying. That's what the indication is. So the indication is that they're strong in their faith, and what are they doing? Singing hymns. They're, they're expressing it, even when their life stinks. And may be over, because right. they don't know right, the outcome. Right, you're exactly right. And so well, now what happens in this particular case? And don't expect this, but what happens here? And suddenly there came a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison house were shaken. And immediately, all the doors were open, and everyone's chains were unfastened. So, they were freed miraculously. But it wasn't that they were praying for freedom, Jonathan. The scripture says they were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. Wow, what an example. That is what we're talking about, about cheerful praise. And that is obviously coming from someone, or individuals, Paul and Silas, who were strong in the Lord and the power of his might. That's right. They were already strong, and the praise was coming out from them because of the strength in spite of the circumstance. Wow. So the, the circumstance didn't drive their prayer. No, the, it didn't. It, the strength drove their prayer, and their prayer, therefore, was praise. It's an amazing thing. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And stay connected to Rick and I at ChristianQuestions.com, no matter the day or time. So what's the process then to development to develop cheerful praise? And there's a few things, Jonathan, that we've just got to learn. And a couple of scriptures here are going to help to put this in context. How do we develop cheerful praise? Colossians 3, uh, 15 to 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Okay. What is the first word you read? Let. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. So we have a choice, don't All right. we? Right. Choose you this day what will rule in your heart. The turmoil of life or the peace of God? You see, it's a choice, and we have to let the peace of God rule in our hearts. What's the Now read verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. Now, what's the first word you read? Let. So, again, choose ye this day whose words will guide you. The words of the world, the flesh, and the devil, or the words of Christ? You've got to choose. You've got to use your head. Think. Choose. Let the words of Christ richly dwelling. Now, they can't dwell in you unless you put them there. That's right. But then they can grow within you. So, you know, you've got to study and, and put the words of Christ within you. And then let's finish the scripture. 
teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And now, see, Jonathan, this is, we, we talked about the heart and the mind earlier. Yes. And this scripture ties it, that. It connects them, Rick, exactly. beautifully. Act on what you have let into your heart and act on what you have let into your mind. And that's how prayer really works best. And Rick, the scripture is giving us a formula of how we're to pray. Pray always in the name of Jesus uh, through his merit for his faithfulness and paying the ransom price for all mankind. And it's sad, oftentimes um, in Christianity in general, you don't hear praying in Jesus' name. Praying through the name of Jesus. Yeah. And the scripture is very clear Absolutely about clear. Thing, doing things in, in Jesus' name. And, and you wonder, well, how come? Well, how, how could we forget such a thing? Exactly. And, and, you know, if you want to put yourself in the right place to have prayer transform you, we have to approach prayer the right way. And it's through the merit of Jesus that we do that. So our third prayer development lesson, Jonathan, after this lesson, then we'll go to the phones, is this. Cheerfulness comes in many forms and as a result of many things and has to be capitalized upon and that's the key cheerfulness has to be capitalized upon with those times of cheerfulness and emotional strength it is imperative to sing praises of prayer for these experiences come and go in life so you have to capitalize and you have to speak out when you have those 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 experiences the praises we offer serve as a marker of expression of those victories Without this marker of praise and thanksgiving, it becomes harder to find the positive side of life when things turn around and become a big trial. That's so true. So speak out. Praise forward. Be an example. Show how God has blessed you both in your prayer life and outwardly to others around you. Well, Rick, let's go to the phones. We have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Good morning. It's chilly out there. Yes, it is, but it's warm in here. Thank you for the Bible study. You're welcome. God bless. I appreciate it. I look forward to it. Uh, if I may, uh, you know, you have had so many wonderful, uh, faithful callers over the years. Mm-hmm. If I may say hi to Randall, uh, I appreciate that. Uh, okay. Uh, number one, uh, not everyone can go to God in prayer. Okay. John 9.31. I won't read it, but I'll just give you the references. And uh, John fourteen six. Only through the Lord Jesus can we go. Uh, can one go to uh, to God through for prayer? Uh, number two, uh, is that a request or is that a command? Number three, we must trust God's judgment on the matter. Uh, what whatever his reply is, maybe yes, maybe no, uh, whatever. Uh, we must trust his judgment, uh, accept his judgment. Uh, Hebrews eleven six and James four three. And lastly, uh, you've seen that tapestry where people embroider a saying on a cloth or mm-hmm. something like that. Yep. Uh, my one of my all time favorites is uh, life is fragile. Handle with prayer. 
Thank you. God bless. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate your call. Bye. And uh, Julius really laid out a little uh, Bible study of his own there on prayer. You know, not everybody has the, the privilege of prayer. And that is true. And the scriptures, prayer is a privilege. That's what it is. It's a privilege. And we have to position ourselves to be able to avail ourselves of the privilege. Um, are, when we pray, are we requesting of God or are we commanding to God? Ooh, good uh, question. And we have to be careful about yeah, that we one. Do. And uh, then we have to trust God's judgment. Sometimes God says no. Sometimes God leaves our prayers unanswered. That's right. That's God's judgment on the matter, and we've got to leave it in his hands. Julius, thanks so much for your, your several thoughts and comments and scriptures. All very, very good. Jonathan, let's touch on very quickly here a, uh, another soundbite from CNN on the science of prayer. Because remember, it's talking about the brain is affected uh, in, in the context of praying. Let's just hear a little bit more. Like this, the frontal lobe, right behind the forehead focuses concentration. The limbic system deep in the center triggers feelings of awe and joy. The parietal lobe at the back of the brain brings on that feeling of becoming part of something greater than oneself. Dr. Newberg says the faithful see this as confirmation that God has designed us to believe. Now that's fascinating because the act of prayer stimulates those different parts of the brain. That is amazing. And the frontal lobe, which focuses our concentration, the limbic system, and the parietal lobe, all of these things are different parts of the brain, and, and they, they are, are simultaneously activated in the act of prayer. And, and Jonathan, that's not an accident. That's a design. And again, folks, look, I know that some of you listening... You mean we were created? That's right. <laughs> we did not evolve from, from other life forms. We were created in the image of God. And that means with the concept, with the ability to think, to reason, to have dominion, uh, and to praise. And so, so God designed us to be able to be connected to him. Now think about that for a second. He, the actual design is so that we could be connected to him. Our brain is... is, is is, is, is artistically designed to have that connection. Folks, why don't we avail ourselves of such an amazing connection to such an amazing God? So, Amen. All right. So our, so our third prayer development lesson was that praise that we offer serves as a marker of expression of the victories of faith. Prayer is strength to the strong, and praise has to mark the, that strength. Okay. The victory through Christ. Right. Now let's go on to the next prayer development lesson in James chapter 5, verses 13 to 18. We're going to read verses 14 and 15. Is any among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven him. Now, this is an important part of the scripture, Jonathan. We're going to introduce it now, but we're going to really develop it in the second hour. And folks, this is, look, if we're not on in your area, you've got to stay with us, especially for this part of the conversation. So go to ChristianQuestions.com, click Listen Live to stay with us for the second hour. The beginning of this James lesson on prayer was about praying when strong and cheerful. Okay, yes. we've covered that. Yes, that is only one necessary perspective of prayer because I mean that's all like everything's good and everything's great and praise God and here we go. Okay, yeah. mm -hmm. the other perspective is being overrun and weak, and you've had those experiences. Oh yes, so we all have. It's appropriate that we first learn how to strengthen the strong and to pass on the praise of cheerfulness as a basis for working through weakness. So in other words, you learn about strength to the strong because you got to prepare for the times in life. When, when life seems to be falling apart all around you. Right, right. So the question is, does this aspect of prayer cover the actual healing 
of actual physical illnesses? Does it cover the does it cover making a, a physical illness go away through prayer? And I think, Jonathan, the answer is unequivocally no. Really? Unequivocally, the answer is no. I don't think that that's what this scripture is saying at all. Now, why? Well, we don't have time this hour to get into it, but as soon as the second hour starts, that's where we're starting. I think that what James is talking about here is a different kind of sickness. And I also think, while we're at it, (laughs) I also think that one of the big mistakes Christianity makes in terms of prayer is not focusing on asking for the things the scriptures tell us to ask for, but rather asking for the things we want instead. Big difference. Jonathan, that is an enormous difference. To me, the whole idea of prayer is not only this, this wiring, this, this natural wiring we have to connect to our Creator, but it's also learning how to use that natural wiring the way it was intended. I mean, for instance, just, just, just a quick side, side example. You know, the Internet is a great, amazing, miraculous tool. Sure. Okay? But it can be used for the most base and disgusting and degrading things imaginable. It's a tool that can be used for good things or for awful things. The concept, the wiring of prayer, it can the same way. The wiring can produce for us good results according to godliness and scriptural guidance, or we can be focusing on the things that we want instead of the things that God would want us to have. So in the second hour, folks, we're going to be dealing with that in a much bigger way, so you need to stay with us. Folks, if you can't stay with us, we'd appreciate your comments and thoughts. You can email us at rick at christianquestions.net or leave your comments on Facebook as well. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. It's a big discussion. It's an important discussion. Does prayer, does prayer really change life's outcomes? We'll be back after the news and all that, but till then, pray about it and think about it. is Christian Questions. William James once said, The sovereign cure for worry is prayer. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, what's that topic this morning? It's a big subject. No way we can cover it in two hours, but we're going to try. And it's a great conversation. Well, Rick, our question is, does prayer really change life's outcomes? And our theme text is found in James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And in the first hour, we were looking at prayer. We're actually looking at prayer through the eyes of James in chapter 5. And he gives a very uh, logical, sequential approach to prayer. Uh, his first, the first, the first prayer development lesson was that uh, prayer can be an event or a, or a consciousness. Uh, oftentimes, we go to a place to pray. It, it's, it's an event. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. 
sometimes prayer is a consciousness. It's a continual fellowship with God, if you will, throughout your day or throughout experiences. And Rick, the second prayer development lesson was uh, it's, it is the strengthening uh, to the strong. Right. When you're strong, you need prayer because your strength has to be uh, acknowledged as coming by the grace of God through Jesus. That's right. And Not it, trusting in yourself. Right. So when you're strong and standing and, and, and fighting the good fight. And, you need it more than ever. Right. You, you're having victories and those are good. That's when you really need to pray. The, the third lesson, the third prayer development lesson was what? The praise we offer um, serve as a marker of expression of those victories. Uh, so we need to be cheerful. We need to be thankful. And and. Sing praises. And praise is contagious. When we express praise around others, we can draw them into that praise. And because if it's praiseworthy in, in, in terms of you know, honoring God, and then they can begin to live that praise. And praise brings strength, which brings praise, which brings strength. It's a wonderful circle. It is. And, and, and this is what James is teaching us. And the... Uh, the next prayer development lesson um, we're actually working on, and it's dealing with sick, being sick. And we made a statement at the end of the last hour, which maybe folks uh, might have been a little bit uh, off the wall to you, but uh, we were talking about at the, at the end of the last hour, the scripture in James, that says, Is any among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church to pray over him. And uh, what we're saying is that is not talking about physical illness. That's right. That's what we said. So now, why would we say such a thing? Because that's what it sure seems to say. Is anyone sick? Then let the elders pray over him that he may be healed. I mean, come on, you know, sick and healed. Well, how could you possibly say it's not physical illness? And so we want to get into that aspect of this conversation right now. And folks, obviously, uh, this may be a different perspective than, than some of you might have. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear your experiences with prayer. How has prayer changed your life? 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. Let's get into this point about prayer and sick, and what does that mean? First of all, the word for sick means what? To be feeble in any sense. Okay, uh, and just... That word, before we go into any scripture and any explanation, that word is used to depict physical illness in the scriptures as well as spiritual weakness in the scriptures. Now, those are two different things. They, they are definitely different. Physical illness. You know, you, you, you have a malady um, and spiritual weakness. In the epistles, that word for sick that you talked about is most often used as spiritual weakness. Not physical. Right. Not okay. all the time, but most often. All right. Remember when we were talking the first hour about the Apostle Paul mm -hmm. and what he said in 2 Corinthians 12.10? Yes. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Okay. Weak. That was feeble. That was, that's the same word. Same word for sick. So he didn't have a sickness. There was a weakness there. Romans 14.1 and 2. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Okay, so, now that's not a knock on vegetarians, incidentally. <laughs> <laughs> this was talking about eating meat that had previously been offered to idols. That's right. And for some, they just couldn't manage to do that. Others said, look, it doesn't mean anything. Right. And so, But the point is, receive one who is weak, that's the same word for sick in James chapter 5. 
Okay. Okay. So it's weak in the faith. So it's spiritual it, weakness. It's showing you ah. a spiritual weakness, a spiritual immaturity, if you will. Okay. And he's saying, uh, for one who believes he can eat all things, okay, that's fine. But one who is weak eats only vegetables. One who is spiritually lacking, that's what it's talking about in in Romans. And that, so you have a scriptural precedent that clearly says this can be absolutely focused on spiritual life, not physical life. All right. Now it's interesting because there's two actually two separate words used for sick in the James five scripture. That's the first word. Okay. Before we get to the second word, let's go back to that BBC documentary that was done. Uh, it was called "Does Prayer Work?" and uh, it's it's asking a very important question that we have a lot to say about. Let's listen. Is it possible for one human being to affect the health of another merely by praying? All over the world, millions of people believe that prayer can heal the sick. Jesus Christ, we pray for others who are experiencing illness. Are they right? And we pray for their health. There's nothing they could do that would convince me that prayer works. There just there are just too many completely implausible elements to it. The idea that if you receive prayers, you'll get better much more quickly, that's absurd. Okay, so you have what they were saying. Millions of people who believe that prayer for someone who is sick is going to help them to get better or heal them. And then you have those who say, that's absurd. So It's like there's no middle ground here. Either you believe it will help or you don't. And that, that, there's a big difference between those two perspectives. There is. So we're going to weigh in on that as we go, okay, as we go. Um, folks, we'd like to hear your thoughts on that, though. 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. Again, we are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. Out of the dark ages and into the light of today, join us 24-7 at ChristianQuestions.com. The second word for sick in this scripture, Jonathan, is an entirely different word. What does it mean? It means to toil, to tire. All right. To toil or to tire, to get tired. Mm -hmm. It's used in Hebrews 12.3. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. So it's talking about not being physically weary, but being spiritually exhausted. Yes, it is. And fainting in your mind. So, you know, you consider Jesus, who endured all that he did, to strengthen your spiritual mind against that weariness, against that sickness. So the James text is really has nothing to do with physical illness at all. It has everything to do with spiritual illness. Yes, it does. And so you say, okay, well, well good, what good is that? Well, wait, if someone is sick, if they're spiritually strong, they can rely on God's strength and grace to get them through their illness. And God's strength and grace is not necessarily going to take away their illness. No. But it helps them cope with their illness. Yes. See, if we do not have scriptural precedent that says... Every time a Christian gets sick, you know, we should put it before God to take away that illness. That's not a scriptural precedent anywhere. No, it's not. Not for believers. Not for believers. So what we need to do is understand what spiritual sickness is. Because here's the thing, Jonathan. The feebleness here, the weakness that we're talking about is not in the category of just having a bad day. No, it's not. No, it's not like a bad hair day. It's <laughs> Rather, it's a deep symptom of a spiritual life turned fleshly that requires much more than a typical, pray for me, I'm having a hard time. Because, yeah. you know, we have that in, in, in fellowship with one with another. I'll pray for me. I'm, you know, just, I'm having a hard time with this, this struggle. I just need a little bit extra help. This is someone going off track. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And 
this feeble and tired condition requires intervention. That's what it requires. It requires, and, and that, you're right, when somebody's going off track, I mean, they're going down the wrong they path. They need to be reset. And that's what James is talking about. So, interesting. He talked about strength to the strong. He talked about praise. And now he says, now he goes to the complete other end of the spectrum. He says, now what about those who are really falling away, falling off track? Spiritually. They, right, they need spiritual intervention. Again, verse 14 of, of James 5. Is any among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church, and they are to pray over him. So he's saying that you need to get help. Galatians 6, 1 and 2, and, and also further scriptures in James, give us a sense that this is not just a one-time thing that just is brought up you know, in, in this one-liner. says, oh, by the way, I help those who are spiritually sick and then move on to everything else. This is serious stuff. Brethren, if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourselves, so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. So, this is talking about someone being caught in a trespass, and you know, that's pretty serious. It is. Because, it, and we know it's serious because it says, you who are spiritual, restore such a one, and be careful for yourself... So you don't fall off track. And there's a lot of different ways we could fall off track. We could fall down the same path that they're going, or we can fall off track by saying, <laughs> okay, you need my help because I'm the spiritual one. Sounds prideful. Let me go and take care of you because I've got it. You don't. Don't worry. I'm here. <sighs> Not right. Right. Not that's, good. That's falling off track as well. So we have to be careful, and that's why this kind of, of spiritual sickness is deep and it's dark, and it's serious, and it needs intervention. We all know what an intervention is in our world. Yes. And sometimes spiritually, those kind of interventions um, have had to have to happen to, to, to snap somebody back to the reality of what God requires of them. And, and that's what it's for. It's to bring them back to the reality of focusing on things above rather than things beneath. James five nineteen and 20, these are verses after or at the end of... Um, James' discussion on prayer. And here's how he ends it. My brethren, if any among you strays from the truth and one turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his way will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That is a magnificent statement of the power of spiritual intervention when someone is spiritually very sick. Obviously, if he's concluding it spiritually, that's what the context was from the beginning. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So James proves the context by his own use of what he's doing here. Humility on the part of the one who's spiritually sick is a sure sign that their hope is still alive. In other words, you know that you have a problem. Right. And you're looking for help. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a great sign. And, and Jonathan, I will tell you, just this is a quick side point, but this is very, very important. Folks, we have had many letters into our website, um, personal letters into f Facebook from individuals who, who feel like they're spiritually sick. And some of them feel hopeless. And we've had several letters along these lines. And they feel hopeless. But the point is, they're crying out for help. Which is a great step. Which is the first step to say, okay, no, you know what? I know you're not hopeless because the fact that you cried out for help says to us, no, no, I'm recognizing I'm in trouble. Please. Help. And God's grace can always be there. But those who are, um, uh, well, let's read James, James, James 4.10. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. 
So it is a self-humbling that has to happen on, on their part. So our fourth prayer development lesson, Jonathan, is spiritual sickness and weariness may come to us if we let down our guard and relax our principled stand for Christ. Personal humility and the fervent prayers on our behalf of those who are spiritually strong are absolutely required to restore such a potentially deadly condition. And we're talking about spiritually deadly condition here, back to righteousness. Through the prayers of others and the contriteness of our own heart, reconciliation and spirituality can again be attained. But Jonathan, it's a process, it's serious, it needs to be dealt with. Spiritual sickness is not to be taken lightly. We have to focus and be humble enough to admit it. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, does prayer really change life's outcomes? Coming up, when we make mistakes and even sin, do we share them with our brotherhood? Should we? Are we too embarrassed? How hard is it to be vulnerable? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, does prayer really change life's outcomes? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And don't forget to go to CQ Rewind, the full edition, and sign up at ChristianQuestions.com. It uh, is a tool that we have that's available. It's, it's free of charge. It's a free service with no obligation that enables you to get the, the information we've talked about and in, in, in a printed format with graphics and illustrations. And you always call it, it's like a Bible study it really in is. itself. Yes, absolutely. Seeker Rewind, the full edition. Only at ChristianQuestions.com. You need to sign up. It's easy. It's easy to opt out if you don't want it. But uh, I'll tell you folks, the, the, the people who get it, love it. Let's try it. Okay, so our last lesson on prayer, Jonathan, was that spiritual sickness and weariness needs spiritual intervention. Rick, uh, it's a reality check for us as Christians. Because Christianity, in, in this life, we are on trial. This is a life and death situation. It is. We've got to do the right things and, and be humble about it. Look, when we make a mistake, that, that's one of the hardest things sometimes is to be humble, but that's the secret to getting ourselves back in order. Uh, let's Actually, Jonathan, let's do this. Let's go to the phones first, and then we're going to go back to that BBC documentary. All right. Well, we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. And, and about Julius, who called on the past hour, I just want to say that Julius's steady faith is, is always an inspiration. Isn't it? It really is. It truly is. And we have Matthew 6, 7, 8. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Prayer is not a handle on the jack-in-the-box, which we turn waiting for God to pop out. Nor is it an anesthetic which we use to numb ourselves against some painful destiny imposed on us by a harsh deity. Psalm 37.5 Commit your way to the Lord, trust in Him, and He will act. Prayer, rather, is a spirit, a talking to a loved one, a turning the imagination towards God. When we pray constantly for all things, we put ourselves in alignment with God and His blessings. First Thessalonians five sixteen seventeen. Rejoice always. 
pray without ceasing. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. God bless you guys. Take care. I love the picture that he, he gave about prayer is not like the handle on a jack-in-the-box. Oh, I do, you too. Turn it, you turn it, you wait for God to pop out, and you know, say, woohoo, look at that. <laughs> you know, because that puts us in, in a position of, of dictating to God rather than praying so we can be dictated from God. Yes. And that's the whole point of prayer. Folks, it's to put yourself in alignment with the will of God. There's an idea for you. It's not to tell God what our will is so we can get what we want. It's to tell him where our will is and ask him to help our will be in line with whatever his will is. Randall, thanks so much. We really appreciate that. Jonathan, let's go back to the, uh, to the uh, documentary, the BBC documentary. Um, and they're giving us some... Uh, statistical um, results of some of these scientific tests they do. And they talk about MIT in this, and it's not MIT, the, 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 the uh, instit- uh, educational institution. MIT stands for Music, Imagery, and Touch. There was an experiment done with music, imagery, and touch um, in terms of people being sick, and then they were talking about prayer in terms of people being sick. I, I think a uh, natural part of human nature is anytime you swing the bat, you want to hit a home run. The most basic data tables are negative. There is no difference. When you see table after table that uh, don't show any difference, you know, well, gee, are we going to learn anything? But as the meeting progressed, certain anomalies, little blips in the data, began to attract their attention. MIT stood out. The music imagery and touch session appears to reduce patient distress significantly. There is an unequivocal, statistically highly significant relationship between having the music imagery and touch and a sense by the patient that they feel better. They feel like they feel better. So it was talking about the, the basic data said that you know, prayer wasn't helping people. It didn't make a difference. No, not at all. And, but it said that music, imagery, and touch sessions that some did, uh, did help people to feel like they felt better. And if their anxiety and stress levels reduced, they actually would feel better. Right. Now, the interesting thing is later on in the study, it said that those people who felt like they felt better actually ended up worse later. Oh. Which is kind of an interesting thing. But, but again, what they're saying is that there wasn't any measurable difference with the control groups of people praying for others to be healed from their diseases. And you say, well, why would that be? And I think the answer is because that's not what we're supposed to be praying for. So, of course, that would be the conclusion. I could have saved you all the money. <laughs> and all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, and I think, Jonathan, it's so critically important when we talk about prayer because prayer is something that can be available. You know, anybody can choose to pray. Let's put it that way. True, but... The point is helping those get through their illnesses and difficulties spiritually strong. Right. That's our goal. That's what prayer is built around. And, and James 5, again, is, is, is teaching us that. Remember, it just taught us about uh, the, the need for intervention when somebody's way off track spiritually. Then, it, then James shifts focus again in James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. And again, it's talking about healing. You say, aha, aha. But it's talking about confessing your sins. Ah, spiritual. Right. And healing. being healed from those sins. So now that gotcha. we've seen the power of humility and prayer in the most dire spiritual circumstances, last segment we were talking about that, James here in 5.16 provides us with a, another application of prayer. And this is 
mutual prayer and fellowship. And this is the kind, Jonathan, that we're probably one of the more familiar kinds to most Christians. Sure. Okay? This application of prayer becomes far more powerful once we realize that prayer can strengthen the strong, as James started out with, expand the cheer of the cheerful, and save the spiritually sick. Those are the three previous lessons in the book of James here on prayer. This application of prayer covers the rest of our life's experiences. So for all of the other things that are going on, there should be a communication, a willingness to confess our faults one to another. And uh, one way uh, we do that at our Bible study is through testimony meetings so that people are aware of what you're going through, what your struggles are, where you've fallen short, so that they can pray specifically on those areas that you need help in. And folks, look, ha- have you ever been in ex- an experience where you, you have felt that the prayers of others have helped you out? I mean, that, that's one of those questions. Give us a call at 866-985-4255, toll free 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Rick, this is saying we should be vulnerable. Open up to our brethren. And that's not an easy thing. It's not. Because nobody wants to be shown as having weakness. Exactly. We don't want to be, you know, we don't want people looking at our flaws and saying, you know. It takes humility. Well, you know, Jonathan, you don't know my flaws. Let me, let me, let me enlighten you so you know all about this. (laughs) Wait a minute, Rick. I wrote them all down. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a huge, in fact, it's a book. (laughs) Wow. Okay, you heard it here first. You want to know all about my flaws? Ask Jonathan. <laughs> the point is to be willing to be vulnerable one to another, and 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 there there's that that creates a free flowing experience because it's a two way street. It is because none of us is without difficulty and sin. Uh, and look, sin. Weakness. You know, look, sure. you know what sin means. Sin means to miss the mark. Everyone has. So we all Everyone commit does. sin. John thirteen twelve to 15. So when he washed their feet and had taken their garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you also should do as I did to you. So Jesus is living the example of humble service to his followers. Now, this is interesting because they are not on the same par as he is. No, they're not. Okay, they're not like equals to him. They are below him. They were his disciples. He was the teacher. And yet he still humbled himself to the lowest position of all of them. A servant. And washed their feet. And he said, his message is, serve one another as I have served you. So now let's go a little further in Jesus' example of, of how he serves those who were following him. But, uh, this is, this is, this is uh, Luke uh, twenty two thirty two. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Now, who is he talking to? He's talking to Peter before Peter denies him. Right. He prays in advance because he knows what's coming. Right. Our Lord. Peter doesn't. Right. But I guarantee you Peter remembered these words after and did strengthen the brethren and exactly right so jesus prayed now it's interesting what did jesus pray for for peter did he say um that uh, dear god i'm asking you to to make it so peter does not deny me he doesn't say that here he says i pray that your faith may not fail that's right did his faith go off track yes yes but did it entirely 
fail. No. Because Peter came back. That's right. See, there's a difference. There's a difference. The failure that is 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 permanent is when our faith goes off track and then we never come back. That's right. Peter did fail, but his faith did not utterly fail. And we're so thankful for examples of failure because when we see ourselves, we're yeah. like, well, look how forgiving and merciful God is to help keep them on track right. when they make right. mistakes. He'll do the same for us. So Jesus is teaching us to serve one another and to pray for one another. And in John chapter 17, Jesus does that. You know, he prays for all of his followers. Oh, yes. Not only those that were with him, but all of us down through the age. Wow. Is that awesome? And, and, and again, it's the power of prayer. And it's, it's putting the prayer out so that we can reflect on it and draw strength from the prayer. And it's part of the whole fellowship aspect that we're talking about here. So, therefore, confess your sins to one another. Like you said, be vulnerable and pray for one another so that you may be healed. We can heal one another from spiritual um, faultiness. Sure, sure. By sharing it one with another. That's, that's what happens here. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 3.1 Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified, just as it did also with you. So what is the apostle asking for prayers for? That the gospel will be spread. Yeah, nothing selfish. Right. <laughs> That's the, the meaning of prayer. It's not about me. It's about the will of God. We are merely members of a body. Praying a prayer and honesty toward the other members can only contribute to and upbuild the body. And that's what our job is. It's not, it's not about me. Look, folks, prayer is not in, in place so we can get wealthy. Oh, no, it's not. Christianity is not here so you can have a lot of money. Christianity is not here so your life can be secure. Christianity is not here so you can be physically healed. It is here so we can walk in the footsteps of Christ because Jesus didn't have any of those things we just talked about. You're right. We are to walk in his footsteps and to contribute to the body of Christ to do what the head, Jesus, tells us to. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 18 through 26. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. And again, Jonathan, as we read the scripture, I want to go back to the James 5:16. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. It's talking about the body working together. And those members of the body, which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor and our less presentable members become much more presentable. So what that means is that those who may not be out in front, if you will, those who may not be able to be, let's, let, let's be blunt here, sitting behind a microphone with the privilege of talking about the gospel, he's saying, who's more important? The ones that are out in front or the other ones that are less honorable, the ones that don't get the attention? The other ones. That's right. It's saying that the, the body of Christ is the great equalizer, that all have the ability to contribute to the upbuilding of one another. And that's what James is saying. Pray for one another. But you can't really pray for somebody unless you know about them. And you can't know about them unless they tell you about them. And they're not going to tell you about them until you tell them about you. I like I mean, that. see, the, it, it, And oh, it's contagious. It absolutely, positively is. Let, let's finish up that verse. But God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. So, again, there is the lesson that James gives us of 
prayer one for another and then the, the, the practical application of the body of Christ all working together. Our practical le- fifth prayer lesson development lesson is this. Prayer is just as vital a tool in the smaller and more mundane experiences of our Christian walk as it is in our more powerful and crisis-related experiences. Remember, we had the strength of the strong and, and then the intervention. I mean, the, yes. the two sides. Our lives are made up of so many of the less dramatic types of experiences that those experiences have to, therefore, fill a critical role in our development of, of um, the scriptural habit of pray without ceasing. See, Jonathan, we are going to learn some of our greatest lessons through the little things that just sort of happen every day. And it's not always going to be through the big dramatic things. Your everyday life and fellowship create the necessary spiritual muscle memory that prayer needs to deal with the inevitable items of trial and darkness which will ultimately assail you. So that's what this fifth lesson is about, is about taking the mundane and making it special in fellowship one with another. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does Prayer Really Change Life's Outcomes? Coming up, does praying for someone really make a difference? How do we know? Is it just a waste of time? Have you ever felt the prayers of your brethren? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, Does Prayer Really Change Life's Outcomes? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.com. And Jonathan, we are going through a, a study, if you will, on prayer according to the book of James chapter 5. And he really lays out prayer in a, in a magnificent way. Um, w- let's go to the conclusion of this lesson from James, James five thirteen to 18. Let's uh, touch on the second half of verse 16. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Now, this is the beginning of the conclusion of the prayer lesson in James. No no matter what the circumstance, if we're strong, cheerful, spiritually ill, or learning day by day, and those are all the circumstances that he just went through. That's right. Prayer can be, in all of those circumstances, the most powerful resource in our fighting the good fight of faith. That's the way it's supposed to be. That's the lesson of James. It is a powerful resource. And, you know, Randall touched on you know, focusing yourself on the will of God mm-hmm. and how important it is that our prayers be focused in, in, in aligned with the will of God. And James is giving us the alignment Yes, here. he is, in every aspect of life. Let's read that same verse, James 5.16, the second half, from the Rotherham translation, because it says some things that I think that are pretty cool. Much availeth the supplication of a righteous man when it is Energized, And I love the thought of when a righteous man supplicates, puts something continually before God, it, 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 it brings a result, great result when it's energized. So when it's not an empty repetition of words. And folks, look, if, if you have prayers that you pray over and over and over and over and over again, I would really suggest that you th- rethink that. Because... That's not a prayer from the heart or the mind. It's a prayer by rote. And it is the energizing of our prayers that can accomplish many things. And sometimes, Jonathan, it's easy to fall into habits like that. 
Oh, it is. Where we end up praying things, you know, and, and just use the same words and the same phrases and, and on and yeah. on and on. And, yeah, it's you know, true. Sometimes we've read them in a book. Sometimes we've been taught them. Sometimes we make them up. But the point is, the effectual, fervent prayer is what accomplishes much, not, not, not a rote uh, um, um, example. Let's finish up James 5 and go to verses 17 and 18. Now, here's an example that, that uh, James gives of prayer that accomplishes something. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the earth for three years and six months. Then he prayed again, and the sky poured rain, and the earth produced its fruit. So James goes to Elijah and says, look at him. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And he's saying, and then he prayed again, and it did rain. Now look, Elijah wasn't controlling that. He was tapping into the will of God. Yes, Elijah was. was the servant of God. Doing what he was supposed to be doing with energized prayer. <laughs> Very Elijah was an energized man. I'm telling you, and and so that's a great example of prayer energized. Now another example we won't read the scripture because I think we're we're going to run out of time here. But in Acts twelve five to seven, Peter's in prison, and it says prayer was being made fervently by the brotherhood on his behalf. That's right. And what happened? An angel miraculously released him from the prison. So we have based two, on the prayer, right? So we have two great examples, and we're saying, okay, does that mean that if we do the same things, we're going to get the same responses? And my answer is probably not necessarily. And the, the the reason is this: you're looking at Elijah, who was a prophet of God, a singular prophet of God, at a time drawn upon to do very specific things. Remember the 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 uh, the. Um, the showdown with the prophets of Baal yes, and all of that. I mean, Elijah was the lone spoken voice for God in Israel at that point in time. The apostle, so, so the prayers that he offered and the things that God did with him were unique to the circumstance. Apostle Peter was just that, an apostle. An apostle, that's how, right. How many of those were there? Only 12. And are there any now? No. All right. So the responses they got and the things they did were different. They were given extraordinary power of the Spirit that is no longer available today. So their circumstances were different. Our responses of prayer are going to be not nearly as dramatic, though they can be life-saving and life-changing. And, and, and we have to realize who we are as members of the body of Christ and what we are to expect from prayer. And, and I'm reminded of Jesus in his own prayer to the Father in the garden. He, he asks that this cup be removed from him. That's right. But what does he say after that? Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. That's the way we need to pray. We never dictate, but we listen. Prayer, while we're speaking, the whole point is to be able to listen. That's right. Because you can speak all you want to God, but if you don't listen for an answer his answer, in his way, in his time, then your prayer has been useless. So our sixth prayer development lesson is this, Jonathan. The prayer of a follower of Christ in any aspect, under any circumstance of life, is a necessary ingredient to fight the good fight. The energized and active prayer of a willing, humble, and at work new creation of God. Because remember it says, you know, we're old, old, old things are passed away, we have become a new creation. Yes. Okay, that's in First uh, First Corinthians five seventeen, I think. The the at work new creature is a necessary ingredient to becoming more than an overcomer. To offer prayer is one thing; to be offered up in prayer is another. Oh yes. And I think that's what James is telling us. He's saying, look, in every aspect of your lives, everywhere you go, 
everywhere you turn, everything you do. If you are strong, what do you really need to do? Pray. If you are, are, are cheerful, what do you need to do? Pray. Okay. If, if you have fallen off the path and you need deep help, what needs to happen on your behalf? Prayer. If in your daily experiences you're just having struggles and trials, what do you need to do? Pray. And if you are um, focused on, on, on doing the will of God, then those prayers, all of those prayers, all those circumstances mentioned, which really do cover all aspects of our lives. They do. Says that those prayers can avail much. See, there is the miracle. Can you measure this with science? I don't think so. I really don't. Because the, the, to me, the basic core principle of prayer is finding the will of God in your life so you can follow it and finding the peace of God in your life so you can be blessed by it. Those are the core principles. How do you measure that scientifically? You can't. I, I see. I don't think that you can, and so I think that we just got to focus on 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 the, the 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 principle of being offered up in prayer. Now, what do we mean by that? Let's go to one more example as we wrap up this program, Jonathan, and that is the example of Habakkuk, another Old Testament prophet. Uh, Habakkuk chapter one, verse two. How long, O Lord, will I call for help and you will not hear? I cry out to you, violence. Yet you do not save. So Habakkuk is crying to the Lord, look around. Will you please take a look? Help! Yeah. <laughs> He's saying, God, why? Why is the word so out of balance? Why does evil prevail so easily? Don't you see? Why don't you do something? And doesn't Habakkuk's prayer sound like so many people complaining today. to God today, yes. right now? Yes. So now how did Habakkuk prepare for the answer? Did he uh, cower in a corner, afraid of the world? Because he sure sounded like he was afraid. No. No, here's what he did. Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me and how I may reply when I am reproved. So he's expecting to be reproved. <laughs> because of how boldly he's come right. and so in what prayer. Is, but what does he do, Jonathan? He goes and stands and waits. Makes himself ready. Right. He's ready. His posture is such that I am going to be watching because I know God is there. Even though I've cried and said to him, God, why don't you see? I know he does see. I just, so what Habakkuk was saying in his prayer is, God, I don't understand. Yes, yes. And he's expressing it by saying, why don't you see? He's really saying, I don't see what you're seeing and how you're seeing it. Help me understand because I'm really, really floundering here. So um, he positions himself. And then what happens? Verse 2. Then the Lord answered me and said. Okay, so now an answer does come. And so what's this answer? Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens toward the goal, and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. For it will certainly come. It will not delay. So the answer, Jonathan, is really simple. The answer is the vision is not lost, nor is it late. It will be manifest. You just have to wait for God's time. Meanwhile, make sure it's written down. Make sure that others can see it. Make sure that you inspire others with the fact that God is not lost. God is not gone. God is not blind. He has a plan. We just don't see the whole thing unfolding right before us. And human nature is such that we, um, we want the answer right here, right now. How sad, but it's so true. Well, it, it is. <laughs> and, and, and here's the thing. You know, in Habakkuk, wickedness was prospering, right? Oh, yeah. In our world today, wickedness is prospering. More than ever. The wicked do prosper. 
And you know what, Jonathan? It does not mean a thing. It really doesn't. Because we can't do the same as others though they appear to, to uh, achieve great advantage. Earthly prosperity is not part of, of our Christian sacrifice. No, it's not. We're, we're, what happens to them is not our concern. See, Good point. Uh, and, and actually, those points were, were, were actually made by Michael Nakora. He was a, uh, um, a student of Scripture who passed away a few years ago. Great example to me, I know. Uh, and and, and me. as well, oh, and, and he was he was giving a talk on this particular verse in Habakkuk, and was saying that look, the wicked do prosper and will prosper. And his answer was, so what? It doesn't mean anything because this life is just a temporary stopping place where sin can reign. It's okay, let it go. God's got this, and we through prayer. And here's here, here's the point, folks. We, through prayer, need to understand that in the world in which we live, that is so turned upside down, our prayers need to focus us on living outside of this world, above this world. And that brings us to our seventh and final prayer development lesson, and it's really simple, Jonathan. It's a scripture. Come boldly to the throne of grace and receive grace to help in every time of need. You notice it doesn't say come boldly to the throne of grace and receive physical healing and riches. No, it doesn't. It doesn't say come boldly to the throne of grace and have all of your questions answered. doesn't no. say oh, that no. either. No. Come boldly to the throne of grace and have every bad situation in your life turn good. It doesn't say that either, Rick. No, it simply says go boldly to the throne of grace and receive grace to help in every time of need. It doesn't, it doesn't say that your need's going to go away. It doesn't say that, that the trial is going to be made less. It doesn't say that everything's going to, you're going to live happily ever after. It's help me through right, spiritually. Because Jesus prayed exactly the same way as this. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And the Lord's Prayer always comes to mind. And, 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 and the Lord's Prayer gives us a sense that Jesus was teaching us to pray for the basic needs of life to teaching us to honor God and teaching us to put things in perspective. And it was, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. See, to me, that encapsulates what the, the focus of our prayers. Everything else is supplemental yes. to the primary concern of the accomplishment of the will of God on earth. God has a plan. I mean, come on, think about this. The world stinks and we look at it and say, where is God? And the answer is, he's there, he knows it, he's watching it, he's allowing it to happen until the proper time. And when the proper time comes, the stink is going to go away. Okay? And, and the world is going to be put back into a position of being able to honor God once again. Prayer puts us in line with that future hope so we can deal with the present stink better. <laughs> 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 That's what it does. That's and and again. So what is prayer? Prayer is strength to the strong. Prayer is praise to the cheerful. It's healing to the fallen. It's daily encouragement as we go through our daily lives. And if we put all of those aspects of prayer together, the effectual, the 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 engaged prayer of those who are following after Christ can avail much. Only if we are focusing on the will of God the way that God wants it, so that our lives can become more like Christ. That's the point. It's not to get. Prayer is to give. Make sure that we are being offered up 
in prayer rather than simply offering up prayers. For Jonathan and Rick and Christian Questions, we hope you've enjoyed being with us today. We certainly have enjoyed being with you. We'd encourage you to go to ChristianQuestions.com or leave your folk, uh, your comments on Facebook, or you can email us at Rick at ChristianQuestions.net. We'd love to hear from you. Again, the subject of prayer is big and it's powerful. Prayer changes things. Till next time, think about it.